Okay, today I'm going to talk about the title will be Every Wind of Doctrine. It's a word of preparation. And um, so here's how this came about. I, uh, my brother, uh, Gene, in Mount Plasky, he, um, he had a, uh, a problem with his heart, and he had to uh, no longer do his horses and his garden and all those kind of things. So Dennis and I, we volunteered to help him. So every day I would, uh, and Dennis would too, but this is my story, so it's just me. We would drive over to Gene's house, and he lives uh, toward Mount Plasky, just across Salt Creek. Take a left on the blacktop, and he's about a mile back on the right. So uh, this happened to be at the time when they were uh, resurfacing the road. And uh, so I was, we, we would have to stop at uh, the flagman all the time. One day when I was driving over there, and... Uh, I felt all these, uh, just all the potholes and all the, the uh, um, bumps in the road and the cracks in the road. And, and uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, you know, that's, that's the way Christians are. And uh, they need to be resurfaced. And then uh, I said, yeah. And then I'm starting, my mind's going off. Yeah, Kathy, she definitely needs re resurfaced, you know. And, and uh the Lord, uh, he said, no, I'm talking to you. And Kathy said, amen. So uh, I think we, with life and with time, uh, with the um, stuff that happens in our life, we get some potholes in our highway. We get some cracks in the highway that makes it not exactly smooth sailing. You know what I mean? Smooth driving. So uh, at Chestervale is where that turn off there is where they began the resurfacing of the road. And um, from there to Mount Plasky, it is amazing. How many have driven on that road? I mean, it is great. But from Lincoln up to that territory, there's no hope for us Lincolnites. We are full of potholes. So we need, a, I came to the realization that I needed freshened up Maybe I needed freshened up on my highway, a resurfacing, laying again, taking out the potholes and laying again. Well, I had that confirmed uh, in um, June, the first week of June. I went up to, Kathy and I went up to Minnesota to some friends. And um, we had a great time up there. Some old classmates from uh, where I went to University of Illinois. And uh, one of those days, she, I mean, they know we're spiritual of nature, you know, and they, they like that. So they're uh, hooking up with us in that nature. And uh, one of those days, uh, Sue says, you know, I, I've got Jehovah Witnesses that are stopping at my house all the time. And um, uh, what, I invite them in. What should I say to them? And I'm, uh, and Kathy yells, you know, Gary, you know this. And uh, my mind was blank, so I gave a surface answer. And uh, I'm thinking, Jehovah Witnesses. Now, the thing is, I taught a cults class. 
of Jehovah Witnesses in 97 and 98, and Mormons and a bunch of them. But I had allowed the thought to leave me exactly what they believe. Well, I've since sent her what they believe, uh, which is, I'll tell you guys a little bit so you know, but uh, Jesus is not incarnate. There is no hell. There's 144,000 that will be in the millennium rule, and they're all Jehovah Witnesses. So uh, that's just a few of their doctrinal errors. And so um, I sent that to her, and we'll see what happened. But I blame a lot of my problems on my 74-year-old memory. However, I'm not sure I ever had a really good memory. <laughs> so I, I, the potholes and the cracks, and I decided I needed to study again. And it reminded me that in 1978, when I got born again, right after I was born again, we went to a meeting in Decatur, Illinois, to a four-square church, and uh, hungry for God. I was born again. I wanted, I wanted a word from God. So um, I chased down the lady afterwards at the restaurant that we went to with her, and I said, Could, would you give me a word? Isn't that sound like a baby Christian? Give me a word, you know? Uh, and like it was going to solve all my problems. And she looked at me like, this, okay. She said this, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved as a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Well, now that is a perfect scripture for anyone, but particularly for a new believer, study. And that's what I realized as I, I went to Mount Plasky, and as I talked to Sue, I had let go of the studying of the scripture. There's a difference between studying the scripture and reading the scripture. Much different. Then I was reminded on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church and to the kingdom of God that day. Can you imagine? 3,000. What do you do with 3,000 people? Well, Acts 2, uh, 20, 2, 4, 42 tells us completely what the answer was. And they continued steadfastly. Say the word continued. Okay, that's, that was my problem. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Now listen, the church gets a few of those right, don't they? But not, not all of them. The first one in doctrine, it's pretty slim for most churches. And uh, we definitely do the breaking of bread well, and we like the fellowship, right? This church, I am so blessed with Pastor Darren's commitment to prayer. We are truly a house of prayer. The way I figured it, we get a third of our congregation on Wednesday nights. That is amazing because that's the time of prayer and worship and prayer. Uh, most churches, if they get 1%, they're happy. 1% is probably low, maybe 
So we see that uh, the prayer in this church is what's really going to help to usher in uh, the kingdom of God. It's going to help to usher in what we believe Christ is coming again. He's going to usher in the great awakening of God. We're believing, we're praying, and we're going to be prepared to have fellowship, and we're going to be prepared to break bread together. What I'm interested in today is the doctrinal part of that. So I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to uh, ask us, how many of us are ready to give an answer to someone that asks you something about what you believe? Most of us can give a testimony, and a testimony is a powerful, powerful tool that you can use, no doubt about that. But I believe as I'm here in the Spirit of the Lord, he's after you and I to go deeper into studying the Word of God. My goal today is simply to propel you with desire to rekindle the Word of God in your life. Not just reading, please read, not just, but studying the Word of God. And uh, I think it's in uh, uh, 1 Timothy, he says, Give yourself to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Doctrine. We never talk about doctrine much, do we? So uh, what, what is this word doctrine? What is it? What does the word mean? And I want you to know that in the, the Bible, doctrine is used 55 times between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not something we should ignore. 49 times it's used in the New Testament, and in First and Second Timothy, it's used nine times. Now listen, doctrine is something we shouldn't ignore or run from, say, okay, that's for the intellectuals or whatever. It's something else. In my experience with doctrine, is it brought stability to my, to my Holy Ghost experiences. When I began to learn doctrine, I'll go into it a little bit more here in a, a little bit, it's very positive for me. And what it means, it's something that's taught, teachings, uh, instruction, the principles of Christ that are taught to teach the substance continually. It's a systematic study of what, the Bible says in different things. Now, so what are those things? I believe there are doctrine, I know there are, the doctrine of Christ. You can do a thorough study about Christ and have a greater understanding and a revelation of what it's all about. There's a doctrine of angels. There's a doctrine of demons and demiology and Satan. There's a doctrine of eternal states do we understand what, what's going to happen? We were talking about eternal states a little bit in breakfast tables this morning and what's going to happen. There are so many areas uh, that you, we can get fired up about. And my experience is when you do a study of the Word of God on a topic like Christ, well, you're going to be changed. What happens is the lights go on. It puts feet to your walk, and you begin to understand it. Well, Paul was pretty good at 
doing this, and I like this verse, Acts 19, 8 through 10. And it says, And he went into the synagogue, the church at that time, <laughs> and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading. There is a place for you and I to reason and persuade other believers, other people out in the world, because it is needed very much concerning the things of the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about, persuading about the kingdom of God. And then it says, but when some were hardened, and that happens, and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, which is the name for Christianity, before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, and he reasoned daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years. He had a Bible school for two years teaching doctrinal truths. And, and uh, these type of things, we need to get it deep within us. So I, I got thinking about this. You know, there was no Bible. Uh, there was the Hebrew, and, and uh, we know Paul was a Hebrew among Hebrews. What did he teach for two years? One of the things I believe, because Christ had come, he really taught the doctrine of Christ. He would go and show all the Old Testament prophecies that would show the deity of Christ, the Old Testament prophecies that would show the humanity of Christ, and he would bring them together in this man called Jesus. The Messiah has come. Whew, I think that's exciting. And I think he would talk about the incarnation because that was something that, that was not understood. How can Mary be pregnant with the Holy Spirit and all of these things? And I believe he, he began to talk about that. We need to know uh, more than surface about the incarnation, I believe. And then I believe he talked about Christ as a mediator between sinful man, me, <laughs> and God. How did he mediate? What does that mean? I also know that he taught the doctrine of Satan and demiology also because right after that in verse 12 and 13, it says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out to them. Then some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists, who heard Paul, took it upon themselves to call the name of Jesus Lord, Lord Jesus, over them. Where did they get that notion? If they were exorcists, I don't think they, uh, Jewish exorcists, I don't think they knew that Jesus was the power. Paul taught them about the power of Jesus' name. <laughs> so why? Why would uh, they teach doctrinal truths? Well, there were many winds of doctrine in those days. And now we, we have many winds of doctrine. And I'm going to talk about these just briefly, but listen to them because it's the same MO that the devil had back then that he's using now. 
One was Gnosticism, which was mental enlightenment. They denied the incarnation and the resurrection. Another one, which is huge, this next one, Roman hedonism or hedonism. That simply means the philosophy and practice of pleasure as the highest value. And we heard it through a, a prophecy that Bill talked about. There is hedonistic ways that is in the United States right now that is killing our youth, it's killing our people, and it's coming about by the internet, by the phones, by all kinds of ways. These are hedonism, living for pleasure. Greek mythology was prevalent in those days, which is polytheism, many gods. You hear a lot of that today, you know. Is Jesus the only way? Yes, he is, but Judaizers, they took the law and perverted it, legalized it. Nicolaitans, superiority that permits idolatry and immorality. Jezebel, control and sexuality. Balaam, the love of money, the greed. My goal today is as in Jude chapter 3, uh, verse 3. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend. And I believe, unfortunately, I believe the church is not earnestly contending, church whole, uh, earnestly contending for the faith. And uh, we have to do that. Make this statement here. Doctrine received, believed, and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and destiny. You think about that. So a little leaven leavens a whole lump. We, we all know that particular scripture. And, uh, uh, and, and that comes off of Paul's saying in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast in the liberty whereby Christ has set you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage put on by man. And then a little later, it says, we understand that the leaven he was talking about was the doctrine of Pharisees and Sadducees, which says, do as I say, not as I do. It was not the doing. Doctrinal leaven is the spirit of air that comes from the philosophies of men and the deceptions of Satan. So philosophies of men, I'm thinking that we need to really look at what we're believing because these things are most of the time just doctrines of people. And uh, Pastor uh, Darren, he mentioned uh, in um, Matthew 16, 13 through 20, there's three voices or three thoughts that are always in us that we have to discern and choose from. There's the voice of man, there's the voice of God, and there's a voice of Satan. You can read that yourself. I'm not going to go over that. Matthew 16. But it's very clear. Voice of God is what we want to hear. We have to look. Is this my own voice wanting this? That's excusing sin? Uh, Bill, uh, Pastor Bill back there, he pretty well put it on the line today by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, didn't he? 
that to me was very, very good. These three sources produce doctrine, but ultimately our doctrine, belief, and character is from, and these are what you need to always judge what you're hearing. Is it the spirit of truth or is it the spirit of error? Truth will have to line up with the word of God. First uh, Timothy 4.1 says it very clearly. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And Jesus said, will I find faith on the earth when I return? 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. The word indoctrination has doctrine right in the middle of it, indoctrination. This is a, a continual process of teaching a, a, a group or a person, a set of beliefs, uncritically, they accept that. Now, this indoctrination is going on today in our school systems. It's going on today in our media. We have to look at these things. We cannot just be passive about the things we hear. You actually have to get rid of it. Some of the key words I'm hearing today, counterculture, a culture or society with values and mores that run counter to those of an established society. When I grew up, it was the hippie generation. They were doing their own thing, more of the hedonistic, and, and uh, went out to, I didn't go though, so I won't mention it. <laughs> Looking back on it, I wonder why I didn't. The, what was the big uh, gathering? Woodstock. Yeah. Um, what they do, this counterculture is calling good evil and evil good. There's a complete different mindset that's taking place. Critical race theory is a, a, a big deal right now in the schools. Wokeism. Each one of these are indoctrinations that are coming into our kids that are, and actually a lot of millennial age people, millennial generation people, they are uh, the internet age people, they believe parts of this. And I'm saying you cannot believe any part of it. It's either error or it's truth. And if it's not truth, you can't be a part of it. That's what I know. Trans, LGBTQT and question mark after that becomes normal and it's easy when you're constantly and you got this big love thing in you, you don't want to reject people, you know, that you begin to accept some of this. And I'm saying that it's not in the Bible. Okay. Ultimate reconciliation is another one that we see in the church sometimes where everybody gets saved, including the devil. That is heresy. Cults, they're being indoctrinated. Jehovah Witness and Mormons, a new age. They're connected with Mother Earth. My son lives out in a new age capital of Sedona. 
out there, and boy, we got rocks everywhere, just, you know, and smelly things, and uh, all kinds of spiritism that's going on out there, and uh, this is uh, something that takes over. If you're around it much, you become a part of that, and we're losing our youth to the counterculture as the indoctrination is being taught in our schools and media. Pastor um, Darren spoke, I don't know when it was, but that there are 56,000 Assembly of God pastors in the United States, of which there's only 6,000. Thank you. 7,000 under 40. What's happening to the next generation of pastors? They don't want the pressure. They're running away from it. It's too much. It counters with society. I don't want persecution. I don't want to go to school and just learn that. I want to learn other things. Wow. I think I'm down to two pages. Matthew 15, 9 says, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. All these things I mentioned, that's man that's saying this is the way it should be. It's in our political system. It's in our media. It's in our school systems. What are you going to do about it? you got to get the truth in yourself before you can even counter those things. Vote against it. Speak up. Get on the boards. Speak up. Kathy's going to be on the county board here soon. You think she'll speak up? If anybody knows Kathy, I think she'll speak up. And I appreciate that, unless it's toward me. <laughs> She's got that way. So what do we do? Let's recognize Ephesians 4.14. The word tells us what to do. We no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The road is bumpy. The road is full of pit holes. You got to get the smooth road to get on, and that's the word of God. 1 Timothy 4.1 Recognized because now the Spirit expressly says that, in, I think I might have read this, that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Then he goes on and says, Teach. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So he doesn't want us to just gather it for ourselves. He wants us to teach others, recognize the truth of what the society is going about, but then begin to speak it in truth. And that's where you've got to study to show yourself approved. You've got to study more than surface things. Go deep into the things of God. Uh, maybe we need a school of the Spirit and of the Word of God. Bible school. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, these things are, they're deep in me. They're, they're personal to me. 
then he's talking about, okay, you, you got to have another thing we can do is personally, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine, the systematic teaching of doctrine. And he says, take heed to yourself. I like this one. And to the doctrine, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. You can pull people out of the fire by the doctrine of God within you. Don't compromise that doctrine. Save yourself. How do we save ourselves? We get to go to heaven, okay? Yeah, and those who hear you. Then he says another thing we can do, it says, Maybe you need to stay away from divisive persons. And I can say that kids particularly have to recognize which ones are divisive, which ones aren't. And until they can recognize it, parents, you got to show them. And you got to help them along. Now I urge, Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Avoid them. Wow. Um, it says learn scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The scripture is given by God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I like this one here. Titus 1.9. Hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught, as you have been taught, that you may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict sound doctrine. Okay, I'm going to end with this. If your doctrinal road is pitted, and cracked, rough. It's time to resurface your doctrine for your own sake and for the help of others. God wants us to have a smooth path of faith. That doesn't mean persecution won't come, winds and seasons of difficulty. But your faith path is smooth, it's not pitted, it's not going to throw you off the road. I believe the end is near. Anybody else believe that? Signs are there all the time. Think about the signs of the time. We need to prepare ourselves against false doctrines that happen in the church and particularly from the world's indoctrination. We are to prepare, that was part of what I was saying first thing, for a worldwide harvest and a great awakening in the United States and in the world with Holy Spirit power and sound doctrine. I've taught a lot about the kingdom of God in the times I've been up here. Kingdom of God is made of John the Baptist type of people that spread the message. Sound doctrine gives you the ability to spread that message. It's about Elijah people that have the power of God 
at their disposal through the name of Jesus, through the casting out of demons. Because people are sick out there. We're kind of sick too sometimes. <laughs> Let God minister. Holy Spirit power. Remember that doctrine received, believed, and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and ultimate destiny. Just close your eyes a minute here. Holy Spirit, it's been a mouthful and earful today, but I know you're in it. I know you love your word. You, Jesus, you are the king. Why shouldn't we learn about the king and what you want in your words? Now, if you want to be a part of this sound doctrine army of God, I'm inviting you to the altar right now. I call them Sound Doctrine, Army of God, and Holy Spirit, Army of God. Then let's yield um, to that. And let's cry out for our land. Let's cry out for the United States and for us as believers to carry this torch of the Spirit and the Word. All Spirit and you blow up. All word, you dry up. Spirit and word together, you grow up. And that's what we're asking for the church today. So let's stand. And then make your way to the front. And let's just believe God for our land. Lord, look at so many people want sound doctrine, God. Most of us don't even know how to go about that, Lord, but you're going to reveal how to study and how to be people of the word. So begin to cry out for America. God, there are so many counterways countercultures that are rising up in America. Forgive our land, God. Oh, Jesus, forgive us. Forgive us for where we've taken on part of that thought. May repentance fill the land, oh God. Lord, these, we want to be part of your army, God. We want this end time harvest to be one we're a part of, where we're helping, we're teaching. I can just see us running around with the torch of God. The torch is lit. It's going from city to city. The fire of God is moving around. You know, the people can only take so much degradation before they turn their ways and says, I don't want this anymore. I'm not happy. I'm depressed all the time, and I do all the things of the world, but I'm depressed. 
people are out there, God, show us the people that we may pray for them. We may tell our testimony, but also that we would know what your word says.